This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and today I'm joined by Echo Sports reporter, Conor O'Neill. Recall back to the side after a few podcasts off. Conor, how are things? Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, just on the sidelines having a rest, I think is the best way to describe it, or another way it's being off, I think, is the other way to describe it. But yeah, all good. It's uh, looking forward to watching the Blues in action this weekend against Brighton. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those watching on YouTube, on Facebook, we're not live this time, we're not live today. Um, we decided we'd just put a video out, a little 20, 25-minute podcast where we can discuss Sean Dyche's press conference, the point deduction situation, and the latest on the 7-7. Seven takeover. Me and Connor are going to go through that today. Obviously, we got Brighton at the weekend, like you said. You looking forward to it, Connor? I mean, not on the base of you know the back of the Palace draw. You know, is 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 Brighton the a team that we could maybe get at with? You know, a team that likes to control possession. Well, you'd like to hope so, wouldn't you? I think obviously last season was probably the performance of the season at the Amex when Liverpool five one unexpectedly on that Maybank holiday Monday, and the result that ultimately paved the way to ensure the Blues be playing in the Premier League this season. So you'd like to think that history could repeat itself. Obviously, we saw the Goodison back in November. You know, how difficult to side Brighton are to play against. They kept the ball for long periods in that game, especially in the second half. But, you know, up until the goal, didn't really hurt the Blues too much. I don't think it was only Jordan Pickford was forced into action too many times. And obviously, in the end, the goal was a bit of a fluke uh, equaliser, what we saw. So you would like to hope that, the you know, the Blues could frustrate the, the Seagulls once again and, you know, Pick up what many will probably see as unexpected three points, but like we've seen with Everton, you know, always, always, you know, expect the unexpected. Um, but I think after Monday night, as well, there's a few wrongs that need to be to be to be changed. I think Monday wasn't great in terms of the performance, and certainly first half it was lacking a lot of things. So there's no better time to put that right than on Saturday at the Amex. Well, Sean Dice was asked about Monday and the performance in his press conference. Connor, just before we get on that, just a reminder to everyone watching, please. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe on our Royal Blue YouTube channel. Please show us some support. Get your questions in in the comments section as well. And uh, I'll try and react to them a little bit later on. But like I say, we're not live, so um, we'll just carry on as, as we go now. But Connor, yeah, obviously Sean Dice's press conference today, he was kind of, you know, his usual self, no, no major, you know, massive talking points from, from the press conference. But... He was asked about stats from the Palace game, and analysis showed that you know it was it it looked like it was a good performance. Um, do you do you agree with that? No, I mean the stats might have showed you know a good performance, you know, or suggested that you know that was a good performance. But from what I see with my own eyes, it was far from a, a good performance. I think it was a very lethargic performance from Everton, in which they lacked any creativity and any you know real spark. I think ultimately. First, I was one of the most boring halves of football I've ever watched. Uh, I couldn't stop yawning, <laughs> I'm being brutally honest, but yeah, in the press box, it, it done nothing to, you know, struggle to stay awake. It was that boring. Um, I, can, I probably understand Sean Dash, the last 20 minutes they played with a bit of an agency and, you know, they did look to, you know, put the ball in the box when they got the opportunity to, but yeah, I don't think it was a great performance and one that we'll look back on this season and say it was one of Everton's better ones. Um, although the stats might have suggested otherwise, I think we all know that ultimately, deep down, you probably know himself, Dice, that that was an opportunity missed in a, a game that they should have, was there to take and that they didn't quite take. Well, our colleague Joe Thomas did ask that question, as discussed in a couple of previous pods of the past couple of days, and they said that it was an opportunity missed. Is he trying to just 
say we're face there really? Is he not is he obviously I think he's been honest, but he says it's an opportunity missed because I think ultimately um you've 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 got to be honest and it's Crystal Palace at home and they're struggling without a manager. Obviously the other stuff that going on off the pitch with them in, in the build ups to gain. So you cost me honestly it was an opportunity missed because you know they're they're down side down there fighting relegation like Everton are. It's a home game. So yeah, I think it was an opportunity missed, and I think Dice would be stupid not to acknowledge it was an opportunity missed. And James Garner afterwards admitted it was an opportunity missed, and you know a frustrating night for his side because you know they didn't get going, and you know it was one that got away. And that seems to be the phrase that we're using quite a lot at the minute. So you know, when we talk about Everton, it's a game that got away. And there's been quite a few in recent weeks where, or certainly from you know Christmas onwards, where games have just got away from Everton, which is something that they need to change. They need to change fast because they need to put half one points on the board. I mean, he was. You know, I mean, apologies for anyone watching it. By the way, I've just looked at my phone, but every time it was at the minute, you're never quite sure what it could be the outcome of, of obviously the appeal that we're all waiting for. So any any buzz at the minute is being treated with you know supreme urgency, just in case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're waiting on tenter hooks. We are, yeah. To be honest, <laughs> we are. Obviously, we will go into the the points deduction appeal and the verdict and the or the non verdict. That is well, that's the thing. There's not there's not much yeah. to add, is there? Really, from from where it was earlier on not this week. Not much to add, but you know, we will speculate. We will question what what's going on um, a little bit later in this podcast. But, you know, there probably was a couple of positives to take from the game. Connor, you know, Amadou and Nana came on, did did well. I thought Dominic Carver-Lewin did okay. Obviously didn't score again, another goal, another game without a goal. But, you know, Dice in his press conference today, he was, he was questioned or he was asked about the positive side of things. And, you know, Everton's defensive record, I know we can see that, but you know our defensive record actually does stand up to some of the best in in the league. So we know where the problems are coming, and we know where the problems lie, and that is obviously going forward. And you know, I wouldn't even necessarily say creating chances because we are getting into some okay areas, maybe not enough. But where 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 do you see this playing out? Because it, it's a frustrating it's a frustrating time to be a blue, and you know the style of play on Monday was not what. Everton fans would expect. I know, I know we're fighting, you know, down at the bottom when we have done for the past couple of years and we're not expecting to be playing, you know, top league style of football like that. But, you know, we want a bit of fight, we want a bit of effort and we want to, we want to see a plan, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest though, the, the defensive sides of it, I don't mean this to disrespect but I don't think there's any point in talking about that because I, I think that's been there for a while now, you know, the backbone of Pickford, Tarkovsky, Bramford, Mikalenko. Yeah. Obviously, you know, right back to being in a position where the people come out. But apart from that, you know, Pickford, Mikalenko and Brownfoot, Tarkovsky have been stalwarts all season. They've built up a strong unit. So I, I don't mean to dis, you know, disrespect how good Everton have been defensively, but I don't think there's any need to highlight how good they've been defensively, if that makes sense, because we've all seen it with our own eyes for, for you know, certainly half a season, at least how strong they've been. Well, it becomes irrelevant, doesn't it, if you're not winning football matches? Well, yeah, and obviously, ultimately, you know, you can have the best, like you see at the minute, you can have the best defensive record in the Premier League or one of the best defensive records. But means not if you can't put the ball in the back of the other team's net. And obviously at the minute we can't put the ball in the back of the other team's net. Obviously our forwards can't buy a goal. You know, they're struggling in front of goal, probably lacking a little bit of confidence here for being honest as well. And I just think at, at the minute we're kind of in this world whereby ultimately, you know, you, you, you ever are defined by, you know, attacking instincts and creative being creative and the problem they've got right now is that they just don't like they've got any creative spark you know you can't one thing about for me on Monday night was you can't look at that side and think how are they you, you, you look at it and think how are they going to score a goal 
in open play because you don't see any kind of indication of a plan or you know pattern of play in which they're going to cut the team the opposition open. We're a team that are very much relying on set pieces, which is you know understandable because we've got some big lads and we've got some very good set piece delivery takers, but that will only take you so far. And for me, the worry is that we just don't have that creative spark at the minute. We don't have a we don't have that player to put the foot on the ball and dictate play or do things or, or you know that type of player and I think we're, we're seeing that right now in the you know in the, the bluntest way possible because I just yeah we don't have a plan I think that's a real worry that we don't have a plan an attacking plan and you know with each passing minute it just looks like we're we're, we're going to struggle more and more in the final phase and we are struggling at the minute and you know Sean Nash has got to go for a plan very quickly because like we just said if you can't score goals you're not going to win any matches no I mean you know, there's a, there's especially with all you know, you're always suspect on you to to concede a world like we did the other night against Palace. You know, yeah. I used goal was a bit of a ball top to blue and come from nowhere, wasn't it? But that can happen in football. You know, you've got it's up to you to put the ball in the back of the opposition's net. So we don't look like doing that at the minute, and that's the worry because you can't, you know, so you can go you can only so long you can go up trying to hold keep clean sheets and so long you can go up scoring set pieces. Eventually, it's going to catch up. But yeah, and I think at the minute we're seeing that's caught up in Everton. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. One thing that struck me from Sean Dyche's press conference this afternoon was he mentioned something about, you know, the forward players, mm. the forward thinking players needing to get in, in into the right areas. Is that not a worry for you that he's 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 kind of not necessarily having a dig or putting the blame on on the players or well, you know, we are creating a few chances, we just need to get them in the in the right areas. That's that's kind of what he suggested. But we know from his previous you know, stint at Burnley that they relied heavily on on set pieces. We're doing the exact same thing. Is this is this a managerial problem rather than a, a player problem? I wouldn't say it's a managerial problem. I think it's just a, a case of Everton don't have the squad with the talent that you probably need in the Premier League to, to create goals and you know, do do the utmost and you know be creative and stuff like that. I but should should it not come on? Obviously we know Carvert Lewin's you know, run goes on without a goal. We know mm. he's done it in the past. If he's getting in the right area, when he's getting in the right areas, obviously, I'm, I'm. When I say that, I'm referring to the stint that he had under, under Angelotti. He had by far better players surrounding him. That goes without saying. But I, I, I personally think it's a, it's a massive concern when the manager's coming out going, well, we're not getting the players in the right areas. So I think that's 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 on you, Sean, to be doing that. To be honest, that that is down to to you and the style of play that and the tactics that you're you're implementing. You know, I think there's we are supposedly down to the stats getting crosses into the box, but they're not like crosses down at the byline where you can whip it in and get Calvin Lewin in the six yard box. So he's, he's nowhere near any of these crosses that come in. No, he's not, and I think that is that is the one thing that you could argue and say. That's where he needs to change probably his game and be a bit more of a six yard centre a six yard box centre forward like he was under Carlo Ancelotti. But I think there's times in the night where you see the ball going into him and it's you know he's winning the flick on, but no one goes behind him, so he's basically chased his own flick on and stuff like that. There doesn't seem any cohesion, does he? I think that's the big thing. Doesn't see any cohesion, attack and cohesion. I think you know there's there's you see, you see it only way you know Calvert Lewin you know McNeil might get the ball out wide and Calvert Lewin make a run to the, the the front post and. It'll go over Calvert Loon's head and across at the back post, but there's no one there, and there's just that cohesion just doesn't seem to be quite there at the minute, does it? And I think ultimately we need to 
find a way in which that you know that cohesion comes and that only works in the training grounds and have patterns to play in some sort of forward line. Um, what's different? Sorry to worry, what's what's different? What are we doing different now compared to what we were doing when we had that four game run? Because the biggest thing that everyone was talking about over the past two months, where we haven't won a league game at home, was but we're missing the core. Eh? That was our plan A. Eh? Now, okay, the core had one game back. He was he had a poor performance. You know, you could say that. He fluffed his lines, he was terrible, or he's just working his way back in. You know, we had a hamstring injury, it was bad. But what, what are we, is it less energy? Is it the cohesion, patterns of play? What What are we doing that is not working at this moment in time compared to what we were doing when we were winning? I think we just lost momentum, I think. I think Decore going off the team was a big one because I think that we lost momentum with that. The Anana penalty. The Anana penalty. Which, <laughs> I'm always going to bring that up. <laughs> you know, but I just think that Decore going off the team, we lost that momentum. Obviously, Sean Dice trials and, and you know trials a lot of different people playing in the ten position. Nothing really ever come back, you know, come back. So I just think we lost momentum. And I think momentum's everything in football, isn't it? If you get on a good run with momentum, like we saw where we had that winning run, everything falls into place and everything seems to go your way. Yeah. If you if you go on the, the road to where you start to struggle, it becomes that little bit tougher. But yeah, I just think we've lost momentum. But I think you can, there's no reason why they can't get it back and start to. I'm the same. I think how we're doing in that position is anyway. He needs a goal, and once he gets a goal, you would hope that the, the you know he'll, he'll get that little bit of ruthlessness back in front of goal when he presents with the opportunity. So it's confidence as well, isn't it? I think com- confidence is a big thing in football, and obviously. But it's seen that I've been lacking confidence for, for large parts now over the last few years. And Calvert Luna is obviously one of the people who has lacked confidence because he hasn't been able to play as much. So I just think ultimately, when you look at you know the bigger picture, it's confidence, it's momentum. And like I say, the Corey being out was probably a lot bigger. Well, it was a big, big bigger blow than what everyone imagines it was going to be because Everton seems to lose all attacking, that little bit of attacking nous once. Um, he was out the team and we didn't really have a ready-made replacement to come in and do what he was doing. So I just think it's been confidence momentum, but it's one of them you hope that things will get back to normal and things will improve moving, moving forward. With the Corey now back in, Calvert-Lewin back in, the team will settle down again and everything will start to come back into place. I mean, the pressure obviously builds each passing game without a win, but the pressure obviously builds on Calvert-Lewin each passing passing game without a goal. But I just thought he played well on Monday, you know, not really getting too much assistance and, and too much help. You know, he, he, had, he had that chance, didn't he, with the header um, with, with McNeil. Is 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 it confidence or is he just is he just not very good? As in, he's, I think he's a good player. I just don't. Is he a natural? Natural forward, like goal scorer. I think he's one of them, isn't he, Calvert? And I think he is a natural goal scorer. I just think he struggles at the minute to to get a goal. And I think he's one of them forwards when when he's on a run, and he's scoring goals. He's great, but when he can't score, he's he comes into criticism. I think you know you look at like someone like Mary Rooney, for instance. You know he wasn't probably a natural goal scorer, as in maybe he wasn't a natural oh, yeah. number nine goal scorer. But if he's out barren runs in front of goal, he could probably assist. He could make goals. You know he could drop in the ten. He could do other things to his game. I think Calvert Lewin can hold the ball up and is very good with his back to goal. But one of the big assets is, is he can score goals. He's not scoring goals. The minute everyone starts criticising the whole of his build up play and you know everything else that comes with him. So I just think you know he's one of them centre forwards who needs to score goals to kind of justify everything else that he does. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I think of his back to goal and his hold up play. And obviously, I think as well it doesn't help doesn't when you look at the opposition Everton have played in recent weeks as well. They played some good teams. And naturally, when you play good teams, it can be hard to score. You know, you think of, you know, City, for instance, away, he fed up scraps for large parts of that, didn't he? It was a, a constant battle because Everton were pinned back in their own half for large periods. You know, Tottenham the week before, he, he probably does score, if we're being honest, when they had someone, 
goes in, but obviously gets to put then again, you know, there's times in that game where he was up against it, you know, against Van der Ven, who I thought was, was really good. Um, I, you know, there's times where I haven't come really get up the pitch to support him and help him and, you know, close them gaps between the back four, the midfield and stuff like that. So I just think it's been tough in the sense of like how things have worked out and how things have gone. Um, and like, is it, you know, when you start going on that road and you miss it's one game, two games, three games, and all of a sudden it adds up and adds up and adds up. And then there's a few things that don't go away. I think the goal against Tottenham probably should have been given. Didn't, you know, isn't given. The goal against Tottenham again, which probably was his, but didn't get given his. Everything starts to pile up. And I think it just becomes a lot tougher to to justify and defend Calvert-Lewin. But I think you've got to look at the other side of the games that he does do in terms of holding the ball up playing well is back to goal, but they only become evident when you're scoring goals and everyone starts looking at your overall performance. The way Carver Loon is as a number nine centre forward, it's all scoring goals. Injuries then and fitness there wasn't really much to say to be honest. The only standout was that Michelenko picked up maybe a bit of a knock, but he should be fit. The core is no reaction, should be fine for, for Brighton. So you know obviously Brighton coming up on Saturday, it would be nice to see the core, you know, back fully fit. He's he's had a obviously didn't do the full ninety, but he's had a good mm. he's had a good you know run out another week's training without any reaction. It would be, you know, it's it, it's got to be a plus to see the core and Carbot Lewin, you know. St- That's what I'm saying before in the sense of just that little bit of like things starting coming back in together, things you know becoming. Yeah. More, you know, aligned than what they were like before Christmas, before obviously Cavalier, before Decore picked up that injury against Burnley on December sixteenth. Obviously, Mikalenko is it would be a blow if he it was to miss the game, but obviously Dice did seem quite hopeful to think that he was going to be available. I think you know he just described it as knocked in, and actually said he's hopeful that he'll make a, an appearance. And the rest of the injury news and stuff that we already knew, and you know, the absentees along. A long-term absentees who we expect to be on the sidelines for a few more weeks. So, from that point of view, it was very promising. And like you say, he's up to that bit more training and bit more, bit more work on the training grounds. We'll start to see a different Everton and a more improved Everton. Do you think Brighton are bit like better suited for us? I think I mentioned earlier, earlier on that you know they they're the ones who are going to want to control the ball, pass the ball around. It'll, it'll enable us to to sit back a little bit and possibly, but you don't know, do you? Because you think of Goodison a few years ago, but last. January when they come and they won four one they just they played Everton off the park you know because they kept the ball and Everton just chased shadows didn't they so it, I always think with, with, with Brighton it's like there's two there's two ways to look at it there's the four one home defeat and the five one away win where you think the four one home defeat was where you play a team who likes keeping possession and, and you know moving the ball and they can just take it to shreds because they tie you out and they find pockets of space and you know they punish it versus the the five one game where you know. You can let them off the ball and you take it off them and go. You know, you basically break and try and score. So I don't. It's it's a hard one to. It's a hard question to answer that because we've seen on both both hands where you can be played off the park by thinking you know let them off the ball and we'll yeah you know or you can you know take you take it off them and you might get a bit of luck. So I think no matter what, it's going to be a tough game. This these are good sides, got some very good players, and you know it's another challenge they haven't got to rise to more more than the, the question of is it are they good teams players? Ultimately, we don't know, do we? Because like I say. We saw last January that you can let them off the ball and they'll just absolutely play off the park. And I know people say, well, obviously that was a difficult moment and you'd like to see them more improved. But, you know, they, they kept the ball well that night and, you know, got in behind and got courses out. We caught them out of the Amex. So it's, you know, and obviously this year I think it was a bit like that, wasn't it? The, the first half, I think I played quite well. Second half, 
Brighton has a lot of the ball, but they didn't, they didn't manage to get in behind Everton as much what they did when they come in January, the previous time. You know, they still dominated possession and made Everton work hard. And, you know, that day, Carver Luna again was feeding off scraps, wasn't he, certainly in the second half, because Everton couldn't get out, couldn't get up the pitch and couldn't get the ball at Brighton. You're probably right, because I thought Crystal Palace were the ideal team for Everton to play on Monday. It was dreadful, wasn't it? It was absolutely <laughs> abysmal. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, well, we'll come on to the points deduction. Like I say, there's no there's no major update, but we will speculate. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit. And Sean Dice was asked about the points deduction in his press conference. It was actually his, it was actually the first question. Considering we've got a game on uh, on Saturday, I thought people people care about though, isn't it? it? The thing that struck me. Well, he, first of all, he says he was asked about it, and he says he hasn't got a clue. And then he said the guidelines suggest the end of the month. So what's changed or has anything changed? Because it's our, it's been our understanding, pretty much everyone's understanding as far as as I know, that it was mid-February that, you know, a decision and a verdict was due. Is this is this a narrative Everton have been feeding that it's it was mid-February? No one really, I mean, to be fair, no one really knows. I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a mess though, isn't it? Yeah, and... and- the, the argument would be that well, these things take time and they've got to be done properly and stuff like that. You can't rush them. So I don't think that, you know, there was never a definitive date when this was going to be released, I think, is the, is the, the thing to start with. But the Premier League and obviously the the commission, I don't think they've actually come out and said... I think there was a hope it would be done by, by but like I said, the I end think, of February. I, think but it was was, I don't think there was ever really... It was just a hope more than anything. And obviously, but, you know... Ultimately, like anything, when it's legal, it takes as long as it, it takes. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, like because it's illegal, obviously, a major legal issue, isn't it? You know, it's a, you know, it's in being in a course of appeal, etc. So, you know, it's it's it takes as long as it takes. What's but, your consensus that no news is good news? Or I honestly could couldn't tell. Yeah, I think it's just too hard to call predict because of what we've seen so far. Does the delay feed into a benefit for Everton? I mean. <laughs> We are speculating here, aren't well, we? You know what I mean? That's what we're here for. You know, clutching clutch straws is is the say you think of the positive stuff. No. Adding to the conspiracy theories. I don't know. I just I just think it'll come when it it'll come now, you know what I mean? That's my and just expect it any bit, you know, any any day now I think is the best way to describe when when to expect it. But like I say, I do think there is large parts of um large parts of this where, you know, you are dealing with a legal process and sometimes they can take longer than, than what is planned. And it's like selling your house, isn't it? And you can aim to sell your house by the end of the month, but it might take longer because there's things holding up or, you know, there's there's things to iron out or, you know, eyes to dot and create, you know, eyes, eyes to dot and T's to cross, etc. So that could just be the case with this, really. I think there was a hope it would be... Well, the hope is it would be done by February because the sooner the better, really, because obviously, you know, the impact it has on the Premier League as a whole, not just Everton. But yeah, I think, you know, any day now I think is the best way to describe when it could happen. And, you know, I honestly don't think we can call this either way. I just don't think we can call it either way. It could, be, could go anyway. I mean, just I mean, this is me speculating, but the, the longer it goes on, I think the better the decision is going to be for Everton. Hopefully. I mean, you, you just don't know what they'll do yet. I mean, I don't think anyone thought they'd get to duck to 10 points first time around, did they? So, you know... Again, well, again, expect the unexpected. I think is the best way to describe it. The the impact this is having, not just on Everton, on on other teams. And Dice was asked about this again in his press conference. Is is this topic, the points deduction, a subject of daily conversation 
within the dressing room. He said no. Like obviously, you know, don't think mm-hmm. the players would, you know, discuss it every single day. Obviously, like we do, but you know, the impact is just—it's so overbearing that it. it it's just having this this impact on Luton. Like Luton don't know where they stand. Forrester don't know where they stand. We obviously don't know where we stand. We could be literally out of flying at the relegation zone. I know we're out of the relegation zone. We could be out of the relegation fight if we get these full ten points back. And then it's kind of like, well, really, we would only need another what six seven points to survive. And then yeah. you'd fully expect that to get them in the home games that we've we've got left. <laughs> home form is absolutely shocking, but you know. We can only hope. I just think it's it's turned into a circus. It's turned into a mess. I'm not like, particularly blaming anyone, but it, a decision needs to be, you know, forthcoming as, as soon as possible, just so teams can just get on. But then we all know that the Forest one is probably going to rumble on as well, and yeah. that's, that's not going to help the situation. So it is not going to it is not going to end. It is got to be. You got to be braced now for when it comes, and that's all you can do. To be honest, but yeah, I think. You are right, though, it is a mess, but, you know, the other argument would be, well, you know, Everton should find themselves in this position in the first place, and it's their own fault that they're there. So, you know, there is that argument as well around, you know, what has gone on. But, yeah, it's a mess, it's not great, and the sooner we get clarity and it'll come, the better, I think, for everyone. Just touching a little bit then on the 7-7 takeover, Connor. Obviously, club in limbo again. I mean, I was going to say, we might just repeat what we just said in that that section to this section, couldn't we? Because it's basically the same, isn't it, that this whole... Process is is exactly the same. No one really knows. No one really knows what's going on, and you know ultimately, Sean Dyche said today, you know, he didn't really have an update. and wouldn't expect him to have an update because you would, you would expect that this is playing out much higher than than his remit and with other people involved to much higher figures at the football club than he is. So, yeah, I mean, this one again is a bit of a mess, isn't it? And you know, again, all we can do with this is speculate. But even with that, it's hard to speculate because we don't know what is going on. You know, we don't know the ins and the outs. Just on that, our colleague Dave Parr wrote a piece. You know, it wasn't really an update on the the takeover, but you know, he he made some good points which you can read on the Liverpool Echo website. But just a line from there, and it's just really going to ask your understanding of it. Mercedes understood to have come back in the fold more prominently behind the scenes in recent weeks. Is that something that you you're aware of, or your what's your under, understanding of that? Because we all know that he's not willing to commit any more money to the club, but but still his assets. I think the big thing with that is it's still his assets. Isn't it? It's still his football club. He still owns ninety four point one percent of the fo- of that football club. Obviously, you know the, the the big thing as well is obviously you know the. Chairman Bill Kenwright unfortunately passed away you know, late last year. Evans still only having some chief executive and Colin Chong and some chief financial officer uh, because of the board members who resigned during the summer. They, they weren't replaced because of the takeover situation and stuff like that. So I think there's no surprise to see Far Machine take more prominent roles at the end of the day. It's still his football club. He's still got you know an interest in it. You know, yes, he wants to sell up and yes, he wants to to leave. But you know, as things stand, it's currently still his asset and his football club. And you know, like anyone, but you know. An asset they would want to protect that asset, make sure you know things are being done properly and things are being run properly. And there's no better way to do that than putting yourself on the ground and you know taking an active interest in what is going on. So I think that's why you know he's took he's ultimately taken a, an approach like he has, um, and come back into the folds. And you know it's understandable why, and you can see why because like I say, it's his asset. And it's still his asset. To, you know until seven 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 get that Premier League approval and all the paperwork signed, they become the new owners of football club. It's still far out. Michelle owns ninety four point one percent. So yeah, you know people might be surprised by Michelle coming back into, but I think it's ultimately just a business decision to make sure he's you know to look after his asset and preserve his asset. 
Okay, well, we're going to finish off, but before we I do... I mean, apologies there, Slitness, because I don't think we've provided much of an update on the two major talking points, but this that, is that, that is all we have. literally have got at the minute. You know, I think everyone is in, is in as much in the, the dark as we are in terms of what is going on and when we're going to find out things. But that's the thing. What I, what I would say is not... This is obviously an unprecedented situation, so it doesn't happen a lot, but even on big footballing news stories, there's always a whisper of something in the, in the press, or obviously even on social mm. media, and you, you kind of have a an idea of where things are going. There's just absolutely no, there's nothing to suggest what, what the decision is, no, no. is going to be. So we will, well, before we love you and leave you and finish little 30-minute pod, I'm just going to ask Connor his predictions for writing. I'll give my predictions. The lads are also going to do a podcast tomorrow, so they'll, you know, go into in depth into the Brighton game and preview that and give their predictions. I'm sure. So, Connor, prediction for Brighton on Saturday: two one Everton. Wow! Get back to Wigan Ways. Dominic Calvert-Lewin back on the score sheet. Another win at the Amex. <laughs> finish I, there. Finish on that ultimate high. <laughs> I should have gone first, shouldn't I? I should have gone with my prediction. Finish on that ultimate high. I'm going to go one-one. I still think that's still that's still a good result. That. Good good points, but it means that if we do draw. And get the points, then it's got to be a win against West Ham. Yeah, but I think it's got to be West Ham anyway, either way. But yeah, I do agree with that because we know what's coming up next with you know some of the matches, the big t- the big games that we've got. So yeah, um, we'll love you, leave you. We'll finish the pod pod there. That's all for today's show. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow the Everton F- Echoes Everton FC Facebook page and the Echoes Royal Blue YouTube channel. Uh, thank you for your support. Please keep joining in on the lives that we're doing and the normal videos that we do. Like I say, the support is much appreciated. I've been Ian Kroll and I've been joined by Connor O'Neill and this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.